Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Who Invited Her? We are San Diego's LGBTQ pop culture podcast. I am your host, Tony. I'm here with my co-host. It's she, her, me, Miss Miriam T. Yes, and Mexican Eric's here. Hi everyone. And Robbie is on sound. Hey, I'm here too. Hi, Rob. Hey. So this week, you guys, um, we're missing Bashy and Megan. They're off this week. I'm missing them so (laughs) much. (laughs) But this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to chat with Miss Mariam T because she was an Aspen. And it's what the people want. Yeah. And <laughs> um, you guys, season 12, RuPaul's Drag Race, oh, they I just know. announced the queens. RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, <laughs> it's back. Get ready. <laughs> oh, and we have a guest calling in later. Um, author, he his book, um, Dark Corners, is just coming out. It's Ruben Tihi Haysleet. I think that's how you say his last name. I'm going to ask him because I'm like, Haysleet? Is that it, Robbie? No. No, <laughs> you know how I am with names. I, know, I think it's Hayslet. Hayslet. There you go. Oh. We're gonna talk to him about his book, um, which I had a chance to read, and it's very interesting. It's a collection of shorts, and the book was written right after the 2016 elections, and it's all about um, the characters are either minorities, either black, brown, Asian, and queer, um, and it talks. They're just all over the place. Some of them are very sci-fi. Some of them are sad. Um, but they all have kind of a political viewpoint to them. So we're going to chat with him about the book because it just came out and it got reviewed and named one of the um, top indie um, new books for 2019. Oh, so. cool. How funsies. Yeah. I like reading. Yeah. It's a really good read. It's a short read. It's only the book's like yeah. a collection of shorts. It's only like 90 pages. I, Each story is very different from the other ones and the characters are all over the place. He covers stuff about like... Um, drug addiction. He covers about being HIV positive and the stereotypes that are still around these days with it about being Muslim. And in one story is about, it's really interesting. It's about a wife who gets cheated on and she metamorphoses into this beast type of thing to take revenge on the husband. Oh, like every time I get into drag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good, it was a really good read, so I'm interested to talk to him about it. Um, but Miss Miriam T was in Aspen. Let everybody know why. When I were was. you in Aspen and why? What was the um, event? Well, I was, I was booked, bitch. Yeah, uh, you were booked. <laughs> I know. Um, I was. Uh, I was in Aspen working Aspen Gay Ski Week. I did a bingo there. Um, I uh, did a little thing with Julie Goldman's podcast, which I know you, which love. I am a huge fan of. Uh, Judy Dumb Goldman. Gay Politics. Dumb gay Politics with Brandy Howard, right? Hey, Howard. Yeah. Yep. They used to be on Johnny McGovern's podcast, um, Gayest of All Times. That's where I first knew them and the People's Couch on Bravo. But I've been a fan of Julie Goldman and and Brandy's podcast since day one. They Dumb were gay politics is so good. If you guys are not listening, listen to that podcast. They were awesome. I uh they end every episode of their podcast with Sweet Transvestite. Yep. So I lip synced that for them. Yeah. Um and Alec Mappa. It was great. It was great. Um Alec Mappa is my new homie. I love him. Oh love he's him. great. He's so so funny. We were running around the airport in Aspen like, oh girl, our flights have been canceled. Because you know I got <laughs> I got stranded in Aspen yeah. for an extra two days. Yeah. Did you guys know between Denver uh, Minneapolis and Chicago and all the surrounding airports that weekend, there were 1,700 flights canceled. And yeah, delayed. there was a huge yeah. blizzard. Yeah, that it went was through. crazy. Um, but Aspen Gay Ski Week is fucking wild. Is it? Oh. Well, have have you guys been to Aspen? No, I haven't. No. That's okay. one place I haven't. So, have you been before this? No, trip? I've okay. never even been to Colorado before. So Aspen 
I so I have this problem where I like to fully research everything before I do, yeah. and I'm trying to not do that. I didn't do one Google search on Aspen. Why I not? Just, because I'm trying to like let go and be try- in the moment. Because Tony, I'm trying to let go and let God. <laughs> um, I I uh, <laughs> I'm like, what am I saying? No, I. Uh, you didn't go to you the first time. Why you went can't to Aspen, I think of a word to say? I haven't been on the podcast. I know it Whoa! feels like forever. So I did not. I didn't Google anything. Okay. I, so I showed up and I was like, "How many people live here?" And he's like, "About seven thousand. And I was like, "Shit, seven. Wow. But here's the thing. So That's most nothing. So so the thing is, is the main part of the city is just houses for millionaires. They buy oh, their vo- vacation oh. houses there, and then all the normal people live in the valley. And so, but get this, in a town of 7,000 people, there's a Louis Vuitton, a Prada, a Gwyneth Paltrow Goop. Like, it's it's hella money, hella rich. Wow. Like, Vuvv is like the well champagne. Like, if you order a glass of champagne, <laughs> it's a $28 glass of Vuvv. Like, it's so expensive there. It felt, the entire time I felt like I was stuck in a Hallmark card and I was, <laughs> like, I was waiting to, like, bump my, like, fall and bump yeah. my head on the cobblestone and, like, some lawyer to be like... Oh, I love you, my long lost love, and start a lifetime movie. Like, cause there's no, there's no power lines. Everything's underground, oh, and wow. you're just in the middle of fucking mountains. It is the tiniest. It's like a village. Yeah, uh, I, I saw was like, your Instagram. Story. Yeah, I was, was telling like, my friends, I was like, I feel like I'm at a theme park, or like it yeah. doesn't feel real because it's so quiet and just so pretty. So you hosted a bingo brunch, right? Uh, no, brunch? it was a, it was a bingo night. Night. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. It reached max capacity. We had to turn wow. away people at the door. I'm already booked for next year. Wow. Yeah, I'm already yes. going next year. I'm actually going to be doing a lot more stuff next year. How did you get hooked up with gay, dumb gay politics? Um, How did that come about? They were, so Julie Goldman. Hey, Julie. Um, Julie <laughs> Goldman was one of the comics for, so oh, every night at okay. Gay Ski Week, there's pool party. Yeah. There's white party. There's comedy night. There's Her shopping night. It was great, too. It was great. And Her she did all new material so that night. Um, so they did, they have activities throughout the day. Yeah. So I was staying at the host hotel because the people that booked me are the people that are like in charge of Gay Ski Week. Yeah. So I was at the main hotel that everything was at. So they did a live recording of their podcast in the lobby. Oh, and yeah. then the Bob King, the guy who was in charge of comedy for Aspen Gay Ski Week, met me, loved me naturally, asked me to do the <laughs> podcast with Julie. And yeah, it was great. And the, the uh, director, so Aspen Gay Ski Week is actually a fundraiser for, mm. um, Aspen Out. It's a charity event. Okay. Um, okay. And a charity event for uh, very, very rich, rich people. Very wealthy people. Like <laughs> They better raise a lot of fucking money. <laughs> um, people from all over the world, like, these are like private jet riding, wow. yacht owned, like money people. Like, it was crazy. And so, the director of Aspen Out already wants me back next year, and that's the... the f- thing that it goes then shoot yeah. oh yeah so i'm already booked for like several things next year i can't wow, wait wow that's I, gonna be really good i had some really cool networking opportunities so hopefully that's i'll good. um hopefully some of those follow through that it was sounds great. exciting it was fucking cold but it was stunning and weed is legal there so you can just walk into a shop i would like grab a joint and then i would literally just walk and oh, find it like one night i i love that one night i wound up in like this Christmas tree light covered gazebo with all these big trees. And I was, I haven't been like by myself, like out, like on, it was great. And I was just like walking around smoking a joint, happy as a clam, freezing my ass <laughs> off. Like, and then I would like go, there's a place that had sold these like massive slices of pizzas. And I just go get a pizza and curl up in my hotel. It was lovely, girl. <laughs> you had a good time. It was, I can't wait for next year. <laughs> you already planned. Yeah, it Funny. was really great. I've never been around so many well kept white people in my life. Well kept. <laughs> 
<laughs> well kept. Oh, people. honey, nobody's faces moved there. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh my god, that's funny. What's been uh, going on with you, Maxie Eric? Um, I don't know. Anything been, new? Uh, out and about. You know. Yeah. Still dating the same guy. Oh, okay. Yes, we yes. have to give him a name he's at gonna, some point. He's going to need a name. When he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you went and to... And sometimes um, you even give him names when they don't deserve it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You went to um, Enchilada's one-woman show last night, yes, didn't you? Yes, I did, yes. How was that? It was, I can tell you how it was right now. I wasn't even there, and I can tell you how it was. First uh, of all, the bitch got too fucking drunk. I know it right off the bat. She got too she, fucking wait, wait, drunk. Did she? Did she? No, no, she. No, no. I don't believe maybe that. By the, maybe by the end. Uh huh. So I was. It should have been about twenty minutes before it was. <laughs> I was really high, so I don't remember a lot. But well, that's lucky you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Minchilad. But it was oh, good. It was tried? good. Yeah. Good? Okay, how, good. How long was it? Yeah. Mm, I want to say maybe an hour, 45 minutes. Whoa, that's a long. <laughs> what time was it? 10.30. That's on a weekend night? And, that's a and lot of And number one on was, was was the halftime show. Okay. But like, was she just talking the whole time, telling uh, stories, or just she sang live sang? I remember that now. I oh, wait, she live sang what? Yeah, did she finally? I bet. Here's what I bet. Here's what I bet. Here's what I'll tell you, boy. I'll tell you what happened. I know her. Um, I have a feeling she finally, after like three fucking years, you slow yeah. ass cow, finished. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, Michelada and I have a very yeah. lady bunny Bianca yes, Del Rio relationship. You do. <laughs> yes, they I'm Bianca Del Rio. She's other. lady bunny. Yeah. I mean, have you seen her? Fucking legs. Okay. Um, <laughs> she so, probably finished her uh, comedy cover of Unforgettable. Yes. Oh my god. That was she it. is calling Undetectable. Oh, yes. That's oh, what you are. Yeah. So yeah. she's been trying to write the lyrics for that for three years. Hooked on phonics isn't for everybody. <laughs> I'm glad I got her a, co- a copy of Green Eggs and Ham for yeah. Christmas. It's, hey, it worked because she finished the song. It, it debuted uh. last night. Yeah. And how was it, Eric? Um, it was funny. It was there. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, he yeah. almost said it was fine. Fine. And then he switched <laughs> his mind. not. It was funny. I just, I just don't remember. I was high. I remember I was laughing my fucking oh, head yeah. off because you were high. Yeah. So imagine if you weren't high having to watch it. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Unbearable. Oh, you guys, big news this week too. Guess what's coming back on TV? RuPaul's Drag Race season twelve. They announced the cast this season. Did you guys? Did you guys look at it? Do you know who's on there? I have reviewed most of it. I, I don't too. know everybody yet. So I watched. You know how VH1 does Meet the Queens? Yeah. So they did that. So I got to watch all of it, and and I was. I always look at that, and there's every season. There's at least one or two that stand out to me that are like, okay, I'm sold on you, yeah. and then the other ones kind of fade to the back until they. Till they pop up later in the season and they do something that catches my eye. Yeah. So there was, I want to say two, 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 three that really stood out for me just from the getting to know you with Sherry Pie, Jackie Cox, and Hiding in the Closet. <laughs> yes, Hiding Closet is hiding closet. my favorite. Those she- are my three, three from the from the the cast so far. So for the cast, let's um go through it. So Aiden, AD, how do you say it? Yeah. What what's his name again? They're not- Aiden, Aiden Zane, Aiden Zane, Aiden yeah. Zane. Here, give he, me that. Let me read. Yeah, Shit, read I'll read for Tony. We, we I need can, to make him. I don't got my glasses. We need on. to make him a phonetic <laughs> script. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, she, from a small town, Ackworth, right? Georgia. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's what like a little think, like. Um, I mean, I thought I'm interested. I I love yeah. that they're. I love that they're doing a little bit more of a diverse cast. The the her there's look a lot of weirdo was, queerdos. Yeah, you know what was crazy? You know how they had the runway? They did the runway thing, right? Uh huh. Um, and it reminded me of Dragula because it was very yeah. like it's got a little bit of like a punkish. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of like studs and leather jackets and mohawks and, and lots stuff. of plaid. But it it confuses me because it's the red, white, and blue. But it but with the punk, it almost feels British. Like I get yeah, UK I was a little while the it. UK they did the UK season. I know, so. but it, the theme. You know how every season they have a theme for RuPaul. So this right. one's red, white, and blue America. Yeah, yeah. I really liked. I really liked last year's theme, the neon. Oh, I did I too. Love, with oh. the giant like um, lipstick yeah, and all that. I, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love that. that. I love that. So um, another queen, Britta feel- from oh. New York. Originally Britta Filter. That's what I knew her. Of, but yeah, they Britta the filter. filter. But I think they're having the <laughs> same thing with Jan Sport. I think yeah. they're having to change their names for legalities yeah, purposes. Copyright. You know? She was funny. I'll be interested to see what she does. This yeah, season. she's got a big following. She does like yeah. celebrity birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, but oh. another New York queen. And I know like, oh, Bashy had an opinion like, oh, they're always New York queens. Well, yeah, they're going to have a slew of New York queens because of DragCon New York. I mean, yeah. they got to cover the East Coast. And also, I, I get it. I'm like, I'm like, do we really need like, how many there's like five or six this year there's but, always at least 45 of them. but uh it's also the biggest pool that's auditioning oh guys. yeah like, everyone yeah. doesn't realize like okay in san diego there's a million people and out of that how many drag queens in nah, new york there's city there's 10 million people yeah. how many drag queens out of that yeah, like exactly. they're also those are the that's the biggest yeah, yeah. so shut up people so yeah. another one crystal methane from Springfield. Crystal method method whatever <sighs> yeah <God! laughs> what did you think of her Oh, she's the crazy looking one. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I say bring it on. I she had some- a very, like, it uh, reminded me of the scary, cl- like, in her interview, the scary clown look that um, Eva Destruction, Eva Destruction did. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Face. Yeah. She's cool. I'm excited to see her. She's actually one that I'm really excited about. She had an interesting look, and it looked very campy, kind of weirdo. Yeah, because I think she's a comedy queen, too. Yeah. It's going to be, they have a, it's a, it's quite a collection. Yeah. This yeah. season. Dahlia Sin from LA. Yeah. I don't know her, year. but yeah. So there's either. two LA queens this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Aja, she's a house of Aja, one yeah. of the girls. She was kind of forgettable for me. I don't really remember a lot Aja? from the promo. No, oh. Dahlia Sin. Yeah, she yeah. was just kind of like, I'm pretty. I don't wear a lot of clothes. Yeah. If you talk, sh- if you talk smack, I'm gonna hit so, you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Which so I was is like, I everybody out. knows my favorite. <laughs> um, what about Gigi Good? I have Los not gotten Angeles. to their uh, interview yet. I very, haven't seen their very yet. pretty, very pretty, yeah. very fashion, fashiony, very young, 21. So I'll be interested to see um, what she does. And then Heidi in the closet. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. Love one her. of the favorite from North Carolina. Actually, she's from North Carolina. Um, one of my favorite parts of her thing is she kept laughing at her own jokes. Yeah. And I love when they do. They don't yeah. take themselves seriously. And they kind of realize this is a TV show. We're here to entertain. It's not like yeah, yeah. but not, not like, like hearing level, cancer. You it's know not like mean? to the level of Silky Ganache, though. Oh yeah. no, you know I mean? she yeah. was. Um, she seemed I really love when down she's like, I can fit three quarters in my gag. <laughs> yeah, she sold me. I I heard that. Oh, all, I know. Uh, all in. All she's in. the yeah. kind of bitch you want to have lunch with. Yeah. Um. Next one, Jackie Cox. I really like. She's the first. Um. I think a Persian, um, descent drag queen on. She oh, yeah, yeah. She really um. 
She's I like her because she's a theater nerd and she admitted yes. she has I, a very nerdy quality to her. I liked her because she was like, I'm usually in bed by eight o'clock. And yeah. I was like, you <laughs> go, girl. Yeah. And she's originally from Canada. Did you know that? And now she's in New York, so oh, she's being a New York Canada. queen. Yeah, she was very interesting to me. She just she had a different vibe and a geeky, nerdy vibe. Not like, oh, I'm nerdy because it's cool. Yeah. More like, no, I, I no, I'm nerdy. I yeah. feel like this season is really split between like theatrical nerdy yeah. people and like alt girls yeah I feel like there's a clear split of yeah. like yeah it's gonna be interesting what about jan jan sport has a really big following um musical theater queen yeah from new york yeah you know here's the thing i wasn't i was sometimes the musical interview. theater queens okay everybody know, listen i used to be a musical theater kid you get Wait, it now you show up at denny's at two in the morning with all of your friends. You only order appetizers and desserts. You're singing musicals right there. Everybody only gets water with lemon. We see you. We know you. And the thing is, is musical theater people do not know how obnoxious they are until they're out of that environment. So it's always interesting to me. I get that. And I say that not in like a negative way because I used to be that person. Like, like, I still am. Um, (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) So like when they get outside of their 2 a.m. Denny's appetizers and desserts, water with lemon, separate checks for everybody environment. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like shut up. It's I like think- that scene in Trick with yes. Tori Spelling when they all want cheese. She's like, I really want cheese fries. I wish these fries had cheese. And then it's all the theater queen. <laughs> yeah. Next one, Nikki Doll from New York. She's originally from Paris. Yeah. yeah. She has an accent. What did you think? Very, very fashiony. Feel looking. Like yeah. Yeah. She'll be interesting because she was born and raised in Paris, then came to New York. Um, so that she's originally from Paris. So it'll be interesting to see her viewpoint. Yeah. And how, because it's a different culture, yeah. um, going into this competition. She's really so, pretty. Yeah, very pretty. How about Rockham's um, Sakura? Rockham Sakura. Um, I, I liked her. I want to know how the fuck she got all that stuff there. I know. <laughs> they airlift a U-Haul. Like, I don't know how the fuck all these girls are getting all these drags there. I know. Her um, makeup was like a cross between kimchi and Trixie for me. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I'm excited to see. I like that they have like an anime-ish queen. Anime, like, yeah. K-pop. Yeah. It'll be girl. interesting to see how they adapt to the challenges. Yeah, that's yeah. what's always interesting with the girls who have a specific look in a specific lane yeah, that and they're how in. They, how yeah. they're able to How they're going to go. Yeah, exactly. What about um, Sherry Pie from New York? What did you think? I liked her. I liked the camp. Yeah. yeah. She's the Marion T of the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miriam T, yeah. (laughs) I like her. She's funny. She's another, um, what's it called? Theater queen. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to, I think that, I'm from New York, shut up, is going to get on my nerves about after two episodes. Yeah, Yeah, she'll be interesting to to watch. What about um, Widow Von Du? (laughs) Haven't made it to, oh, no, I did watch Widow Von Du, and then um, I actually just skipped through it. It started, and then I was like, yeah. I like her name and how she came up with it, but... Her look, she's from uh, Missouri, I think. Um, her looks were like, okay. Looks like she's from Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all in all, it'll be an interesting season. Just from the promo, there was only a couple that stood out for me. But in general, I'm like, okay, I'm curious to see. Hey, we got a nice break. It's been so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's been nice. <laughs> yeah. It, because it was like boom, 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 boom. Right. Um, but it'll be nice to see what this season does and coming back into it and how RuPaul's going to be because she just did AJ and the Queen. Yeah. And she's back in the acting gig and she got to perform on AJ and the Queen. So it'll be interesting to see 
how she is this season, too. Yeah. So I'm excited to, uh, for a season of Drag Race. And I love the promo. I think they all – no, I, I, um, I'm the red, white, and blue. It, they look like, um, you know, like the bakery section at a Walmart <gasps> on, right before 4th of July. July. <laughs> and it's just all the different cupcakes yep. and cookie cakes. That's what yeah, it looks like, like to yep. me. It looks yep. like the bakery <laughs> section at Walmart. What do you think, Eric, this season? I'm I'm excited for it. Like, I, I it's been a while, and we had UK, but, you know – I. I, I couldn't get into the UK. I still haven't yeah. watched it. You know what I really want them to do is like a RuPaul's Drag, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race world where they it's drag queens from different countries competing Ooh. against each other. That would be cool. That's the next step. Why yeah. Haven't, why haven't they done that I yet? I know. That would be really cool. I think like TV shit. Like, a, yeah. like, like yeah. Uh, visas and passports. And Probably. Oh. Trash. Yeah. Because there's also, yeah. there's all stars coming out. Global drag domination. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all stars going to be coming out and then the one with celebrities. Yeah, celebrity drag. Right? Yeah, that's going like, to be interesting. It's basically just a reboot of Drag You. Drag You. Yeah, if yeah. anybody remembers Drag You, that Julie Goldman was mm. on or ever. <laughs> Julie Goldman was on Drag You. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys, we're going to go take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have the author, Ruben D. <laughs> I keep messing up the name. Um, we're going to talk to him about his book, Dark Corners. When we get back, we'll see you real soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, we have a very special guest that I'm super excited to talk to. He is an author um, and his book, Dark Corners. Um, had just come out. His name is Ruben Tihi Hayslet. How are you, Ruben? Hey, I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. <laughs> I am super excited to talk to you about your book, Dark Corners. And it was featured on, I think it's Kirkus Reviews. Yeah, it was. It was. It's, it's like a huge honor. To me, it's kind of like my version of the Oscars. Um, but it was listed as one of the best books of 2019 yeah. by Kirkus. Yeah, which I was like, oh, my God, I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and the book, for people that don't know, Dark Corners is a collection of short stories. And is this your first um, published or have you done other short stories or like how did you start writing? Like, how did it all start? Yeah, so uh, this Dark Corners is my first book, um, but I've been writing short stories for as long as I knew how to write. Um, but how this book got started was really interesting. So, like, I went to grad school for creative writing, but then got a job working in politics and oh, just wow. really threw my uh, my life and my health and everything into, you know, elections, electing progressive candidates all over the New York City area. And then the Trump election happened. And oh, wow. I was just, like, gutted and, like, devastated. I remember, like, at the campaign offices I was working at, people were, like, vomiting and panicking. And it was, like... It was our 9-11. Um, so the next day, I was, like, putting my life back together, thinking, like, what could I possibly do? And I decided, you know, writing has been the thing that I've done my whole life since childhood, and I've been kind of neglecting it. And since, you know, the country is going to hell in a handbasket, <laughs> might as well give my dreams a shot. Right. Um, so I, I took two weeks vacation and wrote the majority of uh, Dark Corners in just two weeks. With a lot of tequila and 40-ounce malt liquor. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Oh, man. So the the book, Dark Corners, it's, the characters in it range from people from the queer community, people from the black community, Hispanic community, just all over the board. How did you decide, or why did you decide to write a collection of stories featuring just such a broad... Um, array of characters from so many different backgrounds, especially the minority backgrounds with the LGBT community and the other ones. 
I was always told that um, you should write the kinds of stories that you want to read. And for me, like, you know, I, I, I read, but I mean, I could be reading more books, but I read books. <laughs> and I, I get really frustrated, especially with the mainstream publishing system of like the same kinds of stories. And I was like, you know, if I have to read another novel about like a young straight white guy who meets the manic panic pixie dream girl and discovers something about himself as he ruins her, um, I'm going to jump off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, there's so many other kinds of stories and kinds of characters out there in the world. And I know this because I know a bunch of crazy people. Um, <laughs> so I was Don't like, now's the time for... <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, yeah, I was like, now is the time for like us and our stories, our people to really like have a say. Like, you know, there's enough, uh, there's enough hatred out there. There's enough xenophobia uh, but there's not enough of our voices, like our voices that feel authentic and really talk like an authentic lived experience. That's I, I love that. That's such a such an important thing to have, especially within the climate right now that we're in with how everything's going in America. I mean, it's important that it's featuring just different backgrounds and everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So where are you from? And hopefully to elicit some empathy, right? Yes. This is one of the things that I kept thinking about as I was writing the book of like, you know, Trump has become president. America is not what it used to be. And it's getting worse every day. And I was like, you know, if I have to like speak directly to middle America, you know, average Joe six pack person, what do I want him to know about me and my loved ones? Like yeah. me and all the queer family, queer chosen family that I have. And like the goal was really like empathy. It's like meet us in a dark, shadowy place. We'll help discover who you are, and maybe you discover who we are, and we can find some acceptance. Yeah, some middle ground with it all. If you know, if that's yeah. how you do it, yeah. Where did you grow up originally? Because you you come from a mixed um, background, don't you? Yeah. So my family has been marrying interracially for about a century. So we're like. I'm like one of those like super mixed race people who's not more than, you know, when I did my DNA thing, I was like no more than 20% anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, potpourri. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up actually in Iowa in an actual, uh, a pretty small town in Iowa, which is kind of crazy to be that racially mixed and diverse in a very not diverse area. <laughs> and yeah, definitely. Gay and queer on top of it. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> How was it growing up in Iowa? I mean, that must have been, like, kind of an interesting childhood. It was hard. Like, I, my family moved when I was 17, and I've never been back. Like, oh. there's, you know, I don't want to knock Iowa, yeah. but it's not the place for me. It's the place for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and how, and you identify as a gay man, yes? Yes. And when mm -hmm. did when did you come out? Like, how was were you still in the Midwest, or were you here in California, or how did your your whole coming out go? I was actually living in Florida, which, like, you know, if I had to pick between the two, Iowa or Florida, I might end up on, in Iowa. Um, <laughs> but I was living in Florida briefly. I did my time there uh, in 2002. I came out. I came out to my mom. She actually found my writer's notebook. So like oh, ever really? since I was a, a teenager, I had this notebook and I would write like essays or short stories or whatever. 
Um, you know, sometimes bordering on the erotic and, you know, sometimes not. Um, but my mom found it and, <laughs> and read through it. And it oh, became yeah. painfully clear that I was gay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was she like was she surprised or was she one of the parents that was like i kind of knew before you did type of thing she's really great now but she did not take it very well <laughs> <laughs> i know that's how mine was we grew up super religious me and my brother we grew up jehovah witness so it was like a both of us came out at the same time so it was a double whammy for her <laughs> surprise i know right <laughs> so in the book dark corners a lot of some of the short the thing i like about it, some of the short stories in here have kind of a um fantasy sci-fi feel to them too and then some are very like conversational very real so how did you decide to mm-hmm. do that mix um, within the book, keeping some of them, like even the first story, there's a bit of voodoo kind of feel to it. And then um, there's a, I forget the num- the story about, I don't want to give anything away to our audience, but there's a story about, um, oh, oh, the one that I really liked is I Want You, about um, the Asian guy who's HIV positive. And that to me was like one of the stories that r- I think really resonates with people now, especially with prep being out and everything like that, where they there's still a stigma. And I think that story really kind of was good to read and hear that that's still happening, even though we're living in an age of prep within the gay, gay community. Yeah, I love that story. And one of the, the sort of behind-the-scenes things, um, so, you know, you have a manuscript and you send your manuscript out to different publications yeah. and publishers to see if someone will pick it up. And one of uh, one publishing house, and I'm not going to say who they are, um, rejected the book in part because of that story. Really? Because what? it seemed odd to them that there was a character with HIV who didn't die at the end. No, he, it was Cause, so uh, related because <laughs> he's looking for love like everybody else. And that was I one know, of my favorite like, stories in the book. You could have a full life with HIV. Like, it's there's really shouldn't be a stigma. And that's the whole reason the character is HIV positive is because he does live. And, you know, like, not to also give spoilers, but, like, the last thing that he, like, says is that he has time. And, you know, yeah. and time is such a big, you know, uh, element of the story. It was really important to kind of, like, challenge, you know, people's assumptions on that. So when I got that rejection, I was like, this is a good rejection because these people don't really get what I'm trying to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was one of my favorite ones. And then um, the other one I really liked in the book that kind of I don't know what it was about this story, but Money Man um, about the the girl who does the escorting and she has to watch the news and it kind of. She kind of becomes an activist by the end of the story. Yeah, that one that one is great. Um, a lot of people ask me about that. And yeah. it was somewhat inspired by real events when I was living in Texas. So if you can't tell, I've lived all over the yeah. country. <laughs> <laughs> when I left Iowa, I was like, what else you got, America? Um, right. it just went, it just went everywhere. But I was living in Texas and um, I was living in this part of Austin, Texas, where there were a lot of sex workers that would walk yeah. up and down the street at night. It was a very busy intersection. And like my drunk ass stumbling home from the bar uh, would end up bumming them cigarettes, you know, bumming out cigarettes and then just talking. And I'm like, how much do you make a night? Like, and I learned so much about sex work. 
and was really surprised at like how well up to date a lot of the sex workers I ran into. Like you'd think maybe like we all have these assumptions that, you know, maybe they're on like drugs or they have an addiction and like they have some terrible pimp, but all of the women I talked to actually had day jobs and they just didn't make enough money to afford to live. Mm -hmm. And they were like very caught up on current events and like, had really deep analysis of what was going on. And I was like, oh shit, you're, you're, you're on the level. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to try to honor them with a story. And, and then thinking about kind of like telling the story of like my people, you know, cause I've really bonded with them. Yeah. I, that was one of my favorite stories. Cause it kind of starts out, you don't know really where it's going, but then in a way she turns into kind of like a badass at the end of the story. And you're kind of like, yes, good. <laughs> Which I really liked about that one. Who are some of your influences when it comes to your writing that you've that you've always looked up to or that kind of influences your voice when you when you do write a story? Yeah. Um, as a teenager, I was really, really into Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club and stuff, which is funny to say as a teenager because I should not have been allowed to read any of those books. <laughs> <laughs> But it's fine. Uh, you know, 90s parenting, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was really into him. Um, he's very inspiring. And then it turns out that I actually have the same professor as Chuck Palahniuk, uh, an undergrad who taught me a lot about creative writing. Um, but I like how he just like he goes for the jugular and he's just like not afraid to get weird in his stories. Yeah. Um, and so that has always really, really inspired me. Another writer who I just like, worship the ground she walks on is Amy Hempel. Uh, she's like a minimalist flash fiction, super short story writer. And she's able to just devastate you in like three sentences um, that really just like go straight into your heart and stomp it on the ground. And to me, I just think it's magic. I'm like, how does she do this in such a short space? <laughs> and why am I crying on the floor after a paragraph? <laughs> well, so your writing style is like that, especially with the story in the book 2016. It kind of had that feel of just very blunt to the point. And the story is just chronicle of the year of this particular family. I'm not going to give away the story. Um, but that's how that kind of is reflected in your writing style now that you bring it up. Yeah, it's like osmosis, that stuff just sinks in. And usually, like, Amy Hempel or Chuck Palahniuk are one of the people that I go to when I find that I have writer's block. And, you know, I'm trying to get out a story, and I'm not sure how it's going. You know, you just get frustrated, and I'm like, I have to go back to um, my deities, you know, the folks that I worship because I love their writing so much. Um, And that, that, to me, is that and washing the dishes by hand are, like, the best cures for writer's block <laughs> if you're stuck. Washing the dishes, man, that is so rad. I've never heard that. I know. <laughs> yeah, because you just shut your brain off, your hands are moving, you know, because writing is very solitary and kind of lonely. So, like, any of the things I can do to get my body moving when I feel like I'm stuck are always the best. And then you get, like, the best ideas. Also, like, taking a shower, I get all of my best ideas in the shower, I don't know what it is about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. I completely understand that. Also in the book, a lot of the stories, or well, all of the stories have a very political undertone. Was that intentional? Because I know the book was written, like you said at the beginning, right after the Trump elections. So was that intentional to yeah. have all of the stories 
have kind of that through line? 100%. Um, you know, after I went to school for creative writing, I ended up working for a like, you know, very left wing labor backed political organization in New York City. And that really changed my life for the better. It, it gave me an amazing and very stable day job. Uh, so I'm very thankful for like the movement for justice and liberation. But it also influenced me to the point where I know that in anything I write, there is going to be a political dynamic. There's going to be a political statement um, because telling stories is how we understand who we are and it's how we communicate who we are to the world. And that to me is inherently political. Uh, so it's important to just, you know, for me to just play that up. And it was, it was very intentional in dark corners that every story has a political bent. Um, every story has a, a, a message and all the characters, you know, they contend with their families, their friends, their lovers, but they also still have to contend with America and what it means to be on the outside. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the the story in the book, Localized Politics. I had a question about that because it, it, it follows <laughs> the... Um, a candidate that's running for office, and from the from the story I gather, it's a black woman, and then her father comes in apart. And in my head, I was thinking, is he referring to Obama? Maybe this is his daughter when she's all grown up, running for president. <laughs> that's what went through my head because the way you describe the character. I wish I could take credit for that, but uh. um, it's actually that story. So every thing that happens in that story yeah. is it's all a composite around one candidate, but it is very much things that happened to me working as a campaign manager and deputy campaign manager yeah. for several different candidates and a lot of my friends who also did the very same thing. So like, I don't want to like name names because a lot of these oh, yeah, people yeah, are still in office, but one candidate I was working for that situation actually happened. I spent months contacting the candidate's family to be like, do you want to get involved in the campaign? You yeah. want to come down to the campaign headquarters? We, you know, knock some doors, make phone calls, something. And the candidate's father just never wanted anything to do with anything until 30 minutes before the polls closed. Wow. And he shows up and I just wanted to strangle him. Oh. He was like, what can I do to help? Yeah. And I was like, it's too late. Like, and the candidate was so thrilled to see their dad. And yeah. it was obvious to me that they really wanted their father's approval. Um, and it just like broke my heart. I was like, I cannot believe this. And like, I want to like wipe the floor with your dad because like, what a horrible human you've been yeah. running for like the better part <laughs> of a year. Yeah. And he just doesn't even want to show up until, until it's all over and then takes all the credit for it. Um, which is really crazy. And yeah. the, the genesis of that story too came from when I was in New York at like a dinner party with a bunch of ex political operatives and we're all trading war stories on the campaign. And one of the things that came up that I thought was like so fascinating was like how everyone's relationship with food really was just obliterated on a campaign and how much all of us had struggled with eating disorders yeah. that were wow. very much work related. <laughs> and that is so true. Cause I have a very close friend of mine that here in San Diego that works with the democratic party and every election season, he drops so much weight and I don't see him because all he like works 24 seven and he's always campaigning. And it's like, he eats red vines and that's it. 
And it's and I was mm-hmm. when I was reading this story, it reminded me of him because I would hear his stories and like know when he's going into like the election season because he would like be the skinniest he ever was. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. I mine know people like that. I was all about the Oreos when I was working on elections. I would like I would have stabbed my mom for some Oreos. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in the book, I I want I have to ask you out of the collection because I'm sure there are each story is probably like a one of your children what is your favorite story in the book in all of dark corners what is my favorite story yeah. uh that's really hard because they are kind of like kids <laughs> and it's like i love you all i love you all but i have to say the gay bathhouse story is one of my favorites <laughs> um <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and i i'm holding out on hope that someday it gets turned into a movie or oh, something that would be amazing. so clearly in my head <laughs> But, that like, that so movie good. definitely would be X-rated, so I don't... Right? <laughs> they can show it on, what, like, Cinemax at night? Do they still have Cinemax? I think so. Right? Um, that was a thing when I was Probably. You know and what? then, like, you know, Netflix and stuff, those movies don't have to be rated. So maybe uh-huh, it can get yeah. a life. Because oh, I, I, I really yeah. wanted to tell, like, a romantic story yeah. with just a lot of full, full frontal male nudity. Yes. I was like, let's do There's it. not enough of it There's on not TV. Enough full... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know our listeners will love reading that one. Oh, I know. They're going to love yeah. that story. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I really liked was um, Hope It Felt Good about... The character who gets cheated on. Um, <laughs> I, for some reason, I really liked that. But I didn't know, like, I was going to ask you, so what is, I don't want to give this, this is so hard for me because I want to ask you questions, but I don't want to get away, away the story. <laughs> so when people read it, but she does go through a metamorphosis through the story. So I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. what What did you mean by that? Like her changing at the end of the, the story. I definitely meant it literally. So, um, I initially, like most, of... <laughs> was it like, like in my head, she I'm turned like, into a monster on, she or angry? Yeah, she turns into something. I was like, she's not going to be human by the end of this, and um, you know, it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> oh my god! In <laughs> that just... story, so many people could relate to about being in a relationship and somebody just cheats on you, and you know, oh my god, it destroys your world. But yeah, that one, Ooh, I, yeah. I <laughs> I liked it that one. I was like, I got to ask him if she turned into a monster or if that was just a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times, a lot of times with my short stories, you know, because like being inspired by Chuck Palahniuk, he writes a lot of really crazy things. Um, And so like I give my hand at it. And for me, it's always 100% literal. It's like, you know, did she turn into a monster? Yes that's what it was like or like is there a skull floating over someone's head yes that's what it was uh, <laughs> people are like i think it's a metaphor for like i know that's what i was thinking like, in, the, in my, some of the stories i'm like oh i wonder if he if the if he meant it literally or if it was just the metaphor but no that's good to know now now i'm gonna go back and read the book and be like no he meant it this way <laughs> Dark quarters, everything happened. <laughs> everything actually happened. Exactly. <laughs> so what's next for you after Dark Corners? Are you going to do another novel? Or like a full novel? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on it. So the thing 
in my blood, I know I'm a short story writer. Like yeah. typically I set out to write a novel and then about 17 pages in the story is done and I have no interest in going further. And I'm like, well, crap, that's a short story. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to trick my brain into yeah. writing a novel. And the, the second novel, Post Dark Corners, um, I really want to address like sci-fi and futurism yes. and give like a very Afro queer version of the future yeah. um, for people, because that's another realm where we don't see a lot of queer characters. We are starting to see more of color characters in science fiction, but I still think we have a, a ways to go. Oh yeah. For uh, sure. So I'm yeah. really excited to dive into that and just, you know, F a whole bunch of it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's the genre I usually go towards as a sci-fi fantasy, but there's no really good, like, queer, sa- um, what's it called, sci-fi fantasy, like, novels out there. It's, like, really hard to yeah. find. <laughs> and if they are, they're yeah. usually, like, the the characters are usually, I hate to say it, but, like, just the white, perfect, blonde Midwestern mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> so that yep. would be interesting. The Han Solos of the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, off of the topic of the book, I do want to ask you a question that we were talking about. So do you watch RuPaul's Drag mm-hmm. Race? I do. You do? Okay, good. So they we were talking about it um, earlier, but they just came out with the new season, the, the Queens for the new season 12. So did you worry? Do were you able to watch the like Meet the Queens or see who they are? I didn't watch it, but I read up on it because I'm always like having lived in so many different places yeah. and going to gay bars all across the country and seeing drag shows. Like I keep waiting for a queen that I actually know to yeah. get on the show, and um, it just it never <laughs> it never <laughs> it happens. Never happens. <laughs> <laughs> Who's some of your but favorite queens? Because we talk about RuPaul's Drag Race a lot on here, so. So, like, I, like, know Pandora Box through a friend of a friend. Yeah. And I've, I've, this season, Britta Filter, I've seen her perform because I lived in New York City for a brief period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some of my other favorite queens? Like, I really love Drag Race UK. And I was all about some bag of chips. Yes, bag um, of chips. <laughs> yeah, UK drag, U, RuPaul's Drag Race UK. It took me a minute to try to get into it because it was if it was a different vibe than than the ones here. So it'll be interesting to see like season two of UK. Um, what's it called? RuPaul's Drag Race. Once it like yeah, I think there's. There's something about competing for badges and like the honor and the bragging rights of it. Yeah. I think it changes the tone of the competition because they weren't competing for money at all. No. So it's not really about like my future career or like, am I going to get that cash for them? It, it really just did seem like it was about like just doing really good drag. Um, so I was like super invested in it. I, yeah. I wish that more American competition reality shows, actually had less cash prizes mm-hmm. and more like honorific kind of title things because I, I think that brings out the best in people oh, when yeah. you try to compete. Just like a, what is a great American or great uh, British bake-off. They don't win any money. Yeah. But they're so nice yeah. to each other. <laughs> they're not ah. trying to cut each other's throats. That's what I like. That, so that's after- what they need. After I finished writing the manuscript for Dark Corners, um, right after the Trump election, and I was still kind of like depressed and like every time I looked at the news and like, you know, 
like Trump walking past his wife oh, after God. the inauguration oh, to get inside the God. White House before she did. And I'm like, holy crap. And I was like, I need some sort of antidote. Yeah. And it was great British Bake Off. I would put that in. And I was like, everything is right with the world. Right? We're making cookies and biscuits and everyone is smiling. I know. And I know. You just need that opposite because if you pay attention to the news, it's, oh, especially since Trump's been in the office, it's just horrible. Every day he's doing something stupid. And it's just, I just don't know how people can just turn a blind eye sometimes and i don't know it's just it's weird the state that we're in right now and sometimes yeah I, I think for a lot of people it's easier to turn a blind eye than to ask yourself really tough questions yeah. and um that's also one of the things that like wanting to write the book when i wrote the book was like it's time for some really hard stories it's time for some some dark corners some dark questions yeah. some like interesting new places that are going to like jolt people out of their system and get them to pay attention to what's happening. Yeah. And that's what I was going to um, bring up with the book. That's really not like a glimpse of this is what we need to do to move everything forward. It's kind of shining light on what's happening now. This is what's happening now. And this is like, that's, that's kind of how the book came across across to me with the political side. Yeah. Yeah. It was important. I, I feel like with dark corners is, you know, shining a political spotlight, but not being prescriptive about solutions. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, because this is one of the things that I loved about like the gay bathhouse story yeah. is, you know, it's super sexualized. It's, you know, it's very erotic, but at the end of the day, it's a really weird story about self-esteem yeah. and, and with money men, the sex worker story, you know, she's getting really politically activated, but she's also sort of like coming within herself, right? She's like, mm -hmm. she can't remove herself from her financial situation, but she finds ways of taking control that are like internal and then they manifest outward. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like to tell people that like with Dark Corners, the political message is, is sometimes the way out is actually the way inside yourself. Oh, I like that. Mm. Yeah, that's a great message. I like that a lot. Put it on a t-shirt. We'll sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I'm super excited for the book. I'm so glad I got to read it. It's a really easy read, too. That's the thing. Once you start it, it's you really don't put it down, and it goes... I wish it was longer. <laughs> that was the only thing I would say. I, like, add a bunch more <laughs> stories, because I could have, like gone and read like a whole nother three volumes of it i mean i've definitely believed that there will be more volumes Yay. of dark corners <laughs> as i keep going throughout my career this is just the first i'm gonna try some sci-fi but i'm always gonna come back to the style of like yeah. quirky weird short gut punch kinds of stories so yeah thanks Thank you so much for uh, reading it. And yeah, no, it. it's a, it's a roller coaster of a ride because every story is so different from the one before, and you kind of don't know where it's gonna go when you start reading it, and it kind of takes you all over the place, which as a reader is a lot of fun. Yes, yep, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I would would not say it's as fun to write as it was to read because writing is tough. Oh, I bet <laughs> that's why I don't do it. <laughs> No, writing. Yeah, no, I bet. Once I had a couple shots of tequila and, and once I started drinking malt liquor again, then it became a fun process. Yeah. <laughs> well, how long did it take you to write the book? So, um, some stories were from about 2011 and 2013. I had rough drafts that were that don't really look like what they look like now in the book. 
So, um, but it took about two weeks. It took one week of writing brand new material and then another week of going back through some of my old writing and updating things and, you know, doing more revisions and more revisions. Um, I hope it felt good. Went through eight different versions of that story only to end up with basically the first draft, but changing like two words. Really? (laughs) Wow. Oh I would have been so annoyed. I would have been like, you made me do eight drafts and we're going with the first one? Yeah, it was just like playing with different elements and it just kept not working and not yeah. working. And finally I was like, fuck it. What did the first one look like? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's just tweak that. Oh. Now it's good. Wow. <laughs> You're like, that'll work. <laughs> well, it's a good book. I'm really glad um, I was able to read it and to chat with you about it because I think people need to read it. It's a very, there's a little bit of everything in it for everybody. <laughs> so yeah. And people can get the book pretty much every, I got it off of Amazon. So if you could, you could get anything yeah. on Amazon. It is available wherever you buy books online or in person. I also, I like to encourage people, if you want to buy the book in person, please support independent local bookstores. Um, You can come in and you can ask for Dark Corners by Ruben Teehee Hazlett, and they will have it within a day or two if it's not already on the shelf. Yeah, people go order it. It's a really good book. Thank you. Yeah. And how do people find you, Ruben? (laughs) Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a, a author page, Ruben Teehee Hazlett. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Teehee underscore Reege, and I'll just let you guess how to spell that, and I'll see you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and we will have a link to all of your information on our website, too. So if people want to look you up and find out more about the book, we will have all of that information. Um, thank you so much, Ruben. Great. I'm so glad we got to chat with you. <laughs> Yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, next time when Dark Corners 2 comes out, you got to come back on the show and talk about it. <laughs> I definitely will. Yay. I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> That was a great interview. I'm so glad we got to talk to him. So much fun. I know, and very insightful in his viewpoints and all of that. I it's, love it. I love Dark Corners. <laughs> <laughs> we know. I know, I can't wait to read it. I love But you guys, stories. you can get Dark Corners, his book, on Amazon and pretty much anywhere you can get books. It's really good. It's a good read. Um, but that's it for us today. Oh, Miss Miriam T's Tea Party has actually got moved to this Friday, the 31st. Yeah, so get your tickets Friday. This th- Are there still th- tickets? Yeah, we had to do 29 refunds. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, the tea party had to be pushed back because Miss Mariam T was stranded in Aspen. Yeah, so it's um, gonna be January thirty first. This coming up Friday. So get your dumb tickets. Dumb Disney. Come How do on. people get tickets? Mariam's No, no, no. Urbanmos.com slash tea party. There you go. And uh, how do people find you, Miss Mariam T? You can find me on Instagram at the Mariam T, or you can go to my website, sheherme.com. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have your new website Yes, Yay. merch goes on sale in a couple weeks. And how do people find you, Mexican? Mexican. <laughs> Mexier. <laughs> how do people find you? You can find me drinking at Moe's or on Instagram, mexi.eric. And Robbie, how do people find you? Yes, you were here too today. Yeah, I was here too. You can find me on Instagram at Ruriko, R-O-R-Y-C-O. 
And hopefully you will post. Yeah, soon. but you already, you already missed his post of the year, kids. Yeah, Sorry. you got to wait till next year. <laughs> Every December. And you Woo! guys, you can see, you can follow Bashy at name underscore Bash on Instagram. I am Tony underscore Baloney underscore Macaroni. On Instagram, you can follow the podcast at Who Invited Her underscore podcast on Instagram. And we're Who Invited Her SD on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at the gang at whoinvitedher.net. We love hearing from everybody. And you guys... We're, it looks like we're probably going to be at RuPaul's Drag Race or RuPaul's Drag Con this year. Yeah, I'm putting it in. We're going to do it again. Woo! So we're going to have more details about that coming up. Also, I like yes. how you gave everybody's handle except Megan's. He's like, fuck Megan's doesn't drag. have one. Yeah, she does. She's on no, Instagram. No, she doesn't like us to give out her Instagram. Oh, she doesn't? No. Do you notice she never gives it out? She doesn't. She doesn't. Uh, See, she's like, if they're fans of the show, they'll be able to find me. That's what she always uh, says. I told her she needs to create a separate one for the show. Yeah, she needs a slut account. Yeah. <laughs> a slut account. Isn't that a regular It already account? is one. Wow. <laughs> so, you guys, I'm going to leave you with today with one of my favorite bands. Um, they haven't put an album out since 2016, but I still love their first album. It's a rambling stripes but their song clouds and if you guys are rupaul fans dusty ray bottoms from i forget what season she was on but she did a lip sync and there's a video of her death of this lip sync that she did in new york to this song and i was obsessed with it when it came out because it was so good but that's who we're gonna leave you with today and we will see you guys next week bye everyone bye bye I'm lying on my back, looking at the clouds, lying on my back, looking at the clouds, I'm lying on my back, looking at the clouds, lying on my back, looking at the clouds, oh I'm lying on my back, looking at the clouds, lying on my back, looking at the clouds, lying on my back, looking at the clouds, lying on my back. Looking at the clouds,